Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. Morning. Pastor Sam was talking about complaining. Any complainers in here? We're talking today, the message is called The God Who Responds and I think of how I respect and appreciate first responders to help us. But then I think about how sometimes people take advantage of the 911 call. I've heard the weirdest stories, like the guy who was uh, unemployed, had way too much time in his hand and was very lonely, so he called the police 27,000 times. They said, you can't call us anymore. He now faces jail time. Or when Facebook went down, for an hour, police had to tell people, stop calling 911. It's just Facebook. <laughs> Facebook's down for an hour. Or the eight-year-old that couldn't figure out how to do his math problem, so called 911 to get help with fractions. But the person helped. Or uh, one time, a Florida McDonald's ran out of McNuggets. And a guy called the police, 911, saying, we run out of nuggets. I mean, what kind of wasted time is that? I mean, I can see you doing that if they ran out of McRibs, <laughs> not nuggets. It's McRib season again. Did you see this? Is God qualified to be the first responder in any situation? We usually make him last. Like we go to him last and then with complaints instead of grateful hearts. And that's what's going on in Israel. So let's look at the God who responds. In response to God's people, God provides water. I hope you have your Bible or your Bible on your phone or something, because we're going to go through a lot of scripture today and here. Here we are. Israel has been delivered, rescued. Remember last week I said, we've got to remember our rescue. Otherwise, we forget God's faithfulness and love for us. So Israel is rescued out of Egypt, and they're only a few days in, and they're running out of water. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 22. They're in the wilderness. They've got rescued. They've just praised God for how great he is. Remember at the end of our service last week, we did that incredible time where we praised God together, just reciting scripture. And so here we pick up the story in verse 22 of chapter 15. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, which is where Bob and Pam live. <laughs> they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So when they came to Marah, they couldn't drink the water because it was bitter. It's undrinkable. Therefore, that's why it's called Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet, which is an incredible miracle. And there he made for them a statue and a regulation, so he gives them a rule. God's going to start giving them regulations. And there he tested them. And he said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases 
on you, which I put on the Egyptians, which is referring to the plagues. For I, the Lord, am your healer, and that in Hebrew is Yehovah Rapha. Okay, so God is starting to reveal more about himself. He's their healer. He's not only their deliverer. Then they came to the elm where there were 12 springs of water and 70 day palms, and they get refreshed. But here we pick up in Exodus 15, 24, where it says, So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Now that word, grumbled, means to make complaints under your breath or to murmur. And I love the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word for grumble is loon. So you act like a loon. And it means to be obstinate or complain. I love even more the Greek word for grumbling. And we've talked about it before. It's gagusmos or gagusma. And it means to complain. And think about that word, gagusma, 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 gagusma. Like you say it under your breath, and that's what it sounds like to me. We think of the gagusma, you know, the, the grumbling. But think about it. So there's three days in, and there's no water. It's a real emergency, right? I mean, you can't go much longer without water. And then the wilderness. But here's the problem. It's not like they said, can we have something to drink? They're like, give us something to drink. They forgot what God just did three days ago, right? Isn't that us? They grumble against Moses. And here's the thing. Let me let you in a secret. A lot of people, when they have a complaint with God, they take it up on the people that represent God, which is like Moses is the shepherd of the people, and usually they take their vengeance against that person. Let's jump now to two chapters later, because there's another incident with water in chapter 17. We're going to see the progression here that God leads the people and rescues them. The people complain. They don't like what they don't have, and they're not grateful for what they do have, and they demand something. And they what called spiritual amnesia. They forgot what God just did yesterday. And then God responds and he provides. So let's look what happens here. Exodus 17 says, Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of sin, which is appropriate, according to the command of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? And why do you test the Lord? Now remember in the last passage, God was testing them. Now they're trying to test the Lord. But the people thirsted there for water and they grumbled against Moses and said, and here's where their mind goes into some fictional movie. Why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock? And we thirst. That's not reality. So Moses cries out to Yahweh, saying, What shall I do to this people? Now God could have answered a little, you know. But Moses says, In a little while they're going to be so angry they're going to stone me to death. And then the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel, so representatives of each family or tribe, which I think brings more emphasis to what's going on. And take in your hand your staff with which you struck the Nile and go. And behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, Moses, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he named the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel 
and because they tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? And we do these similar things, but God responds in grace and mercy and love. I just think, God, what do you want me to do to these people? Oh, you can just kill them, you know, because they're idiots. That's not what God said. God says, no, I'm dealing with them as well, Moses, so it's not just you. Here's the thing, because what's happening to Israel is what happens to us. When this stuff is going on, God is testing us. And what that testing does is build our faith. Are we going to trust God or not? Because it's all about that. When things aren't going the way that you think it is, when you don't have what you think you need or deserve, we complain. I would encourage you to do what I try to do. I'm not always good at this. But whenever something's going on like this, I say, Lord, please teach me what you want me to learn. Because I don't want to wander in the desert for 40 years. That's how I would suggest. Because God is teaching you something. That's why he's doing this. That's why he's allowing this to happen. It's not because he's mad at you. It's because he loves you. And he disciplines his kids. And disciplining trains us up and grows our faith. Now, the sad thing about Moses is he had an anger problem. So later in Exodus, there's another situation like this, and Moses has had it up to here with the people, and God says, okay, Moses, speak to the rock. And what does Moses do? He's ticked, and he strikes the rock, and what happened? Moses, because of his disobedience and unbelief, was held back from entering the promised land on earth. Now, here's the cool thing. Jesus said that all scripture, all the law and the prophets are fulfilled in me. And we find in the New Testament that we find out more about what happened with Israel. So in 1 Corinthians 10.4, the Apostle Paul writes something incredible about what we're talking about today. He said, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now, think about that. Does Christ provide everything we need, including water? And was Christ struck for our transgressions? Now, what flowed out of Christ when he was struck? Well, here's what happened. In John chapter 7, Jesus is at the Feast of the Tabernacles, which is remembering when Israel was in the wilderness living in tents. So take that into context when I read from John 7, 37 through 39. Jesus, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He's saying, I'm the rock in the desert. He who believes in me, as the scripture, Isaiah said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. He had to ascend to the Father, and then the Spirit was poured out as living water. It's all about that. The way we drink from that water is we believe in Christ, and we receive eternal water, which is the Holy Spirit. So God provides water. He also provides food because we need food to live. God delivered the water from before the fourth day, because you can't go longer than water. But food, on the other hand, you can go for longer periods. So let's look at 
Exodus 16, verse 1, and here's what happens. Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. Remember, they're going to Mount Sinai because that's what's going to happen at Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments. On the 15th day of the second month after their departure, so now this is longer time, right? This is a couple months in, from the land of Egypt. Now, it wouldn't have taken that long to get to the Promised Land, but God's doing something with them. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses. They don't learn. And now they grumble against Aaron, too. In the wilderness, the sons of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and we ate that good bread and we were beaten halfway to death. That didn't include that part, right? Because they forgot how bad it was. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us. Moses, it's all your fault. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. It's important to understand, when God's speaking to Moses, he's speaking through Moses, because the you pronoun is plural. So he's referring, I will send bread from heaven for you, all of you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instructions. And what's that hinting is that the Sabbath. We'll talk about that in a minute. On the sixth day, when they prepare that, What they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. So Moses says, It's not against me. You're grumbling against God. And then Moses says, And what are we that you grumble against us? In other words, why are you grumbling against me? I can't solve your problems. You see, we grumble thinking that when we're grumbling, someone's going to fix the problem. And we need to go to God who responds the way he wants to in the problem. We can't solve our own problems, and no one's going to solve your problem except God. And he'll do it the way he wants to do it because he's Yahweh. He's the God of all gods. He's King of kings, and he loves you. Instead of trying to fix the problems that you think need to be fixed. Let God do it. Now, what is this bread from heaven? It's manna. And we'll get into more of what that is. But Jesus referred to himself as this bread. So not only is he saying, I am the rock in the desert where you get water. But now he says this in John 6, 31 through 35. He says, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. So that's exactly what we're talking about. This is the same passage. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. And then he explains that. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven, just like the manna, and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, Always give us that bread. And Jesus says, I am that bread. I am the bread of life. They thought they were getting bread from heaven, which is incredibly miraculous. You know, they wake up in the morning and it'd be there. Jesus is saying, I am that bread. 
I am the life that you need. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. Now, Israel is not happy with the bread. And because they're a meat and potatoes people, you know, they're meat and potatoes congregation. So here's what happens going on in verse 8. Moses said, this will happen when the Lord gives you meat. So he's explaining what's going to happen to eat in the evening and the bread to the full in the morning for the Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumble against him. Moses keeps reminding them, you're grumbling against God. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, say to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumblings. It came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I have heard the grumblings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them saying, at twilight you shall eat meat. And in the morning you shall eat bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it came about at evening that the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. Now quails are one of the slowest flying birds. You could catch them probably with your hand. When the layers of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flake-like thing. Fine as the frost on the ground. Now, who's writing Exodus? Moses. So he's trying to explain it. And when the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is this? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It's the bread that God promised to give you. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather it, every man, as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer, which is about half a gallon, or it's a daily ration, according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much and some little. When they measured it with an omer, he who gathered much had no excess, and he who had gathered little had no lack. So every man gathered as much as he should eat. So they're being honest with the gathering. They wanted to obey the law. Moses said to them, Let no man leave any of it until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. (laughs) And some left part of it until morning, and it had worms and stunk. And Moses was angry with them because they didn't do what God told them to do. They gathered it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. But when the sun grew hot, it would melt. Listen, they're in the wilderness, no drive throughs okay, There's no McDonald's or no cell phones, you know, no Postmates. That's a new thing. The only way they could get what they needed was to rely on God. And God's coming through. But they're never happy. Now, the cool thing about the omer, the ration, it was daily, right? So what does Jesus tell us to pray in the Lord's Prayer? Give us today our daily bread. We try to store up. Now, that could be spiritual bread, which is the word of God. It could be physical bread. But with regards to spiritual bread, because Jesus said, I am that bread. Do you try to live off Jesus for like a week on reading one day? That's what we do. Instead of daily in the Word. So Moses trying his best to listen to God and do what he did. But Moses is getting angrier and angrier just in Numbers, which is two books over. In Numbers, in chapter 11, 
we find the complaint of Moses. And so here in verse 10, Now Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, each man at the doorway of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, and Moses was displeased. This is so honest. Remember, Moses is writing this. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you been so hard on me? And why have I not found favor in your sight? that you have laid the burden of all these people on me. He says, kind of sarcastic, was it I who conceived all these people? Was it I who brought them forth that you would say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing? He took so seriously his calling. And then in verse 13, where am I to get meat to give all these people? For they weep before me saying, give us meat that we may eat. I alone am not able to carry all this people because it is too hard for me, Lord. So if you're going to do this and you're going to deal with me this way, Lord, just kill me because I can't do this anymore. If you consider me at all in your favor, just don't let me see this trouble anymore. I just want to go. I just want to leave this earth. You ever felt like that? Moses is so honest and he's saying, Lord, this is way too much for me. And God is probably saying, yeah, Moses, it is for you, but not for me. Quit trying to do it by yourself. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. Next, God provides rest for the people. So now he institutes the Sabbath, which is about rest. And remember, Israel is becoming a nation. And this nation was to be different than all the other nations that were during this time. They were going to be God's nation. In fact, God became their father and they became his sons, the sons of Israel. This was going to be a different nation. It was going to exhibit God's character, his morals, and his holiness. And so we continue in 16, Exodus 16, verse 22. So now on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, Then he said to them, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is Shabbat, observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered and did not become foul and didn't stink and they didn't have worms in it. And Moses said, eat it today for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. What is that correlating with in the story of God? Creation. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments, my instructions? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested. On the seventh day, the house of Israel named it manna. Now, here's trying to explain it. It was like coriander seed, which, by the way, aids in digestion, white, and its taste was like wafers with honey. And then Moses said, this is what the Lord commanded, that an omerful be kept throughout your generations, that they may see the bread. So he's telling them, keep some of it for a testimony in the Ark of the Covenant. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omerful manna it, so that people can see it throughout the generations. Remember, it's pointing to Jesus, so people can see Jesus. 
So Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The sons of Israel ate the manna 40 years until they came on an inhabited land, and they ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And then finally Moses explains what an omer is. He says a tenth of an ephah. Thanks. What's an ephah? <laughs> Thanks, Moses. No, that's about half a gallon or 2.2 liters. Now, the Sabbath was God's idea, and it was holy. In Exodus 31.15, it says, For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. So it was a serious thing. The Sabbath became ritualistic and ultra-legalistic later with the religious leaders. What started out with Ten Commandments turned into like over 600 regulations. And that's what happens when you let humans make up the rules. Let God do it. They're less strenuous and burdensome, okay? God's law and rules are for our benefit and protection. And this one in particular is for our own good. We need rest. Did you know that God, God wasn't even a workaholic? We see in Exodus 31, 17, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now, does God need rest because he's tired? No. His example is for us to show that we need rest. We're not God. Have you ever said that to yourself? I am not God. Say it every day. I am not God. We are frail humans, and the Sabbath connected Israel to Yahweh who created the whole universe in six days. Again, as with all the law and the prophets, Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath, and he said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And in Hebrews 4, the author writes, For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And what the Hebrews writer is referring to, to the Jews in this particular congregation during that time, remember this is during the church era, but early on, they were trying to use works as a way to be saved. They were trying to incorporate all these rules and regulations, and they're telling everybody else. And God said, no, what you need is God's rest. And Jesus is God's rest. How does one receive God's rest? We receive Jesus. When we receive Jesus, we have spiritual, eternal rest. We don't have to work for our salvation. That's the spiritual rest. There is obviously a physical rest that we all need. I don't believe that we're obligated to rest on any particular day because that's not how our society functions. But what I do suggest highly is to rest, get rest. Now, I also want to emphasize that Sunday is a day of service. In fact, Jesus on the Sabbath was ridiculed because he was serving people. So when we come, this is Sunday, we go as the Sabbath. Not really. Pick another day. Sunday is when we serve people. We serve the body of Christ. We serve each other. I mean, that's what I'm doing, and that's what we should all do together as a congregation. So then the next thing is God provides support because we can't do life alone. Here's the more important thing. God doesn't intend you to do ministry alone or life alone. You'll burn out. So what happens here in Exodus 17, we start to see other nations start to battle against Israel in the wilderness. 
So Moses delegates Joshua, a young guy, to pick some men and go fight. And Moses said, I'm going to go on the mountain and you guys go fight. Two guys go up with Moses. Do you remember their names? Aaron, who's a brother, and Hur. And he was from the tribe of Judah. What happens? So Moses is on top of the hill and they're fighting in the valley. And he notices that when he lifts his hands, Israel is winning. And when he gets tired, they start losing. And this is where we pick up the story in Exodus 17, 12. Moses' hands were heavy. Then Aaron and Hur took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. Everyone needs Aaron's and Hur's. That's the way we operate in ministry and in life. We complement each other. We serve one another. And I love where our church is right now. I feel that. I hope you all feel that. We're not silos. We're not rogue. We think of ourselves as a body, as a team, and we, we lift each other up and we help each other and we serve one another. You see that going on? Here's what happens. Everyone needs Aaron and her, but everyone also needs Jethro. And Jethro was who? Moses' father-in-law. Now Moses was a prophet, a shepherd, a judge, a commander-in-chief, a counselor, and everything. And the sad part about ministry a lot of times, and even in our vocation and our work, is we find our identity in what we do rather than who we are. And that was me. I was a workaholic because I thought the more that I could prove that I could do, I was a better person because of that. That's not true. I need to do what God wants me to do. And the older I get, I decline certain things because I said, that's not what God wants me to do. I need to stay focused. And you need to stay focused. And when we follow God that way, then we are healthy. So God sends Jethro to help Moses. And in Exodus 18, it says, Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear out. Both yourself and these people who are with you, the task is too heavy for you, and that's a singular you for Moses, cannot be done. Very wise. So he tells Moses, hey, get some of the other people to help. Maybe they'll stop complaining. Because there's the thing, people who complain are usually not involved. They're looking at it from outside. They're going, oh, I can do better than that. Then get in the game and do it. So he's like, Moses, just was saying, hey, get some of those people. And that's what Moses does. And it saved his behind. Because he was able to continue to lead the way God wanted him to lead. So let's end with finding yourself in the story. Don't be a murmuring people, okay? Uh, murmuring people always want to go back to Egypt. You want to go back to the good old days. You're like, this is too hard. I want to go back to when it was before then, you know? In Numbers 14, Israel says to one another, can't we choose another leader and go back to Egypt? Instead of looking at Moses as God's chosen leader, they're like, hey, let's just choose somebody else. I like this saying. It took one night to take Israel out of Egypt, but 40 years to take Egypt out of Israel. And I think a lot of us, you know, we go on vacations, right? We're like, oh, I wish I could move there. There were no complaints. There were no conflict. And then you move there and you realize you bring all your problems with you. They were just tucked away in a suitcase for a week. And then you open the suitcase. So here's the thing. You don't want to go back to Egypt. That was slavery and bondage and hard work. You're free in Christ. 
You rest. You can rest in Christ. Deuteronomy 8, 2 says, You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, that he might, what? Humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart. Not that he would know, but you would know whether you keep his commandments or not. God is training Israel up for the promised land. And God is training the gate, Christian Bible Church, up for the promised land. And not only the promised land in heaven, which is the great promised land, but the promised land that he has for this church. And a lot of people, I think there's 30 people that are praying. That's awesome. Pray for two things, growth and land. We need more workers, which, by the way, that means that you need to invite people. You need to share the gospel and also land. Keep giving financially, faithfully, because we have a bigger picture than what you're seeing here. That's the first thing. Next thing, murmuring people are never satisfied. We see this in Israel. They're never satisfied. Philip Graham says, Our complaints really are never caused by our outward circumstances. Instead, they reveal the inward condition of our hearts. So Numbers 21.5 says, And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And guess what? We loathe this worthless food, Lord. Wow, that's ungratefulness. <laughs> Kidding me? You know what the difference between bitter and better is? I. I have a choice with my attitude, and I'm telling you from experience. I'm usually a half glass empty guy, and I've had to trust and work and let God change me to be more a glass half full guy, to see and believe beyond my circumstances. It was amazing. In August, on August 6th, I parked my Ford Flex at the coffee house where we have our staff meetings. And I had the church laptop uh, with me, and I put it on the seat, which I never would do. But I covered it, and I felt weird, like I shouldn't do that. And I'm like, who's going to steal it? So two hours later, I walk out. Sure enough, my window's bashed in, and someone stole the church laptop. And then I called the police, and they came out and filed a report. And then I had to fix the glass on my car. But the whole time, I'm like, you know, God, you have a purpose for this. You have a plan for this. There's got to be some reason. Maybe the guy needs to open it up and find Jesus or whatever it is. And so I forgot about it, really. Then this last week, I get an email from the person that had donated the laptop to the church saying the police department in Ontario just contacted me and found my laptop. They have the guy in prison because he did a bunch of other stuff, and you can get your laptop back. And I honestly can say that I could have had a pity party, and I normally do, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm grateful that we have this. You know, And this is why I look at our church. I'm grateful that I have you guys. I want more people, yeah, because we need to do more things, but I'm grateful for you. And I think if we see those things like that, instead of complaining what we don't have and be grateful for what we do have, it changes everything. It really does. So let's just try not to be bitter. And the bitter water was about their heart. But this isn't cool that it wasn't until God told Moses to throw a tree into the water that the water became drinkable. And isn't it incredible that Jesus went to a tree and died for our sins the bitterness of our sins to give us eternal life. 
we should be incredibly grateful for that. And then last, murmuring people will miss God's blessings. See, Israel was left out. A whole generation had to pass away because they just didn't believe. God can't force you to believe. You can pray for belief. You know, there's stories in the Bible. A man says, help my unbelief. But if you don't believe that God can do anything at any moment, that's hopelessness. And then in that moment, enjoy what you have. This is a life lesson for me, and I think for all of us. And so now we're going to remember God's goodness by taking the Lord's Supper together. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. We would love to have you visit if you're in the area. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegateoc.com. Make me-